Welcome to Mighty Creators, where we help creators create content, grow audiences, and build revenue. My name is Asim Jalis, your host. Our guest today is uh, Sahil Lavingia. He's the founder of Gumroad, on which many creators sell ebooks and videos. He has also written a book called The Minimalist Entrepreneur. Hey, Sahil, great to have you here. Hey, uh, thanks for thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So. What made you write the book, The Minimalist Entrepreneur? Yeah. So in 2019, I published an essay called Reflecting on My Failure to Build a Billion Dollar Company, uh, which was kind of about the, the ups and downs of Gumroad and uh, things ended up working out nicely for the company and me, but it took a while, eight years to kind of figure that out for myself. And so this is kind of, that was kind of like the what not to do. <laughs> Uh, and this book is kind of like the what to do. And the reason I wrote it was after, ever since I wrote that article, people just constantly ask me like, what should I do? Like, what do you actually believe? You said all these other things, uh, you know, but like, how do I build a business? How do I grow an audience? How do I sell? How, like literally every question about building businesses, right. Um, including for my mom. And that's actually who I wrote this book for. I was like, can I write a book that like my mom could read literally and she could start a business right from zero to you know, sustainable, profitable, software powered business. And so that's kind of why I wrote the book is I just get, <laughs> I get a lot of questions and I don't want to answer them anymore. Uh, so hopefully this, uh, this book does that job. Okay. So did you, did it work out for your mom? Did, were, was yeah. To, okay. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the things I, I get into in the, in the beginning is this, like the, just the word entrepreneur and how it has this kind of vibe of like businessy, you know, suitcase, briefcase sort of vibes. Right. And I just don't have that at all. Like I just don't uh, exude any of those, uh, those, the, that aura. Um, but I think it alienates a lot of people. I think entrepreneurship business, like, I think it scares a lot of people like my mom would never consider herself an entrepreneur. I mean, that's like a very loaded word. Um, it's kind of imposter syndrome. Right. And so I, I think it's really important if we really want more people to be able to start businesses, which I do, uh, then we need to make it as easy and as attainable and as accessible as possible. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think, I think her or anybody else can pick up this book and it's not about, you know, how do, how do you make a billion dollars or how do you start a startup and scale to you know hundreds of employees? It's like, how do you start adding value, creating content, building an audience, building community, building your first product or service, selling it, learning, discovering, you know, and then over time, you know, you do all these things, you, you, you may not even know it all of a sudden you have a business. Right. And so it's really just trying to, you know, minimalism is, is, is kind of about that. It's like back to basics. What do you actually need to do to run a business? Um, and let's skip all the other crap. Like you can always Google the answers to all that stuff when, when it hits you, but let's just talk about what you actually need to do. Um, and, you know, everyone says their business book is like the first business book that has no fluff in it. Right. So we'll see how much fluff there really is, but it's, it's a short book. It's only 230 or 40 pages. Um, and we cover everything, you know, from beginning to end in my, in my view. So, um, Yeah. That's that's kind of the gist of the of the book. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, really intrigued me was this idea that you had about like starting with a community instead of starting with some kind of product and trying to find out who might uh, be interested in it. And uh, the so I think one of the challenges a lot of people have is that in the beginning, they really don't have any followers. And it's kind of like a chicken and egg problem. Like, how do you find is the community just all these people who are out there that are talking to each other without the creator in the conversation, or is it uh, do, so, or maybe let me rephrase the question. Do you build a, a follower count before you start pushing out products or would you, 
how would you think about that problem? Like the build followers, then create a product or yeah. create a product and build followers. Yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately this isn't a, entirely a serial approach, right? So generally most people will be kind of doing everything at the same time to some level or moving in between them. It's not as simple as like start with community, then build, then sell, then market, et cetera, right? Like these kind of things happen and all will always be happening, right? I'm still building, even though I'm now hiring, for example, um, but the way that I think about it simply is like, you should start with community. You should start and not even like, forget the follower account, right? Like start with just contributing to a community with the goal of becoming a pillar is what we say in the book, but basically like, you know, a re- someone with a reputation within this community of being helpful, of being value additive. And you could do this certainly on Twitter where you can have a follower account, but you can also do this on subreddits, on slacks, on discords in a variety of, you know, in person, of course. Um, you know, in a variety of different places where people are, are already convening. They already have something in common. Hopefully you do as well. They might even speak kind of like their own little language. Um, and they're all trying to solve a problem. Generally, like if you, if you kind of sort of just think through, like, why are people here? There's probably a reason there, there's something they're trying to solve, right? All human behavior is problem solving is a quote that I read recently. And I like a lot. Um, and so I think the important thing uh, is to start there and then, service them and service them, not with a business, but just by yourself, your time. Uh, and then over time, you, you'll kind of, I think, get the, the, the wheel kind of starts spinning, right? Both your reputation builds over time and you'll start to have ideas. You'll start to see what problems other people have. And eventually there'll be an intersection between the skills that you have, uh, you know, the aspirations that you have and the problem that the community has that you can solve. And when you see that, then you can build a business. And it, it requires faith. It requires time. It requires a lot of things that, you know, an impatient person may not wait for. Um, but I do think it's important. And if you do it, then when you have the business and you have the product that you built, you will have customers, you will have people ready to go, ready to, you know, they already trust you. They already know you. They might've already even asked if they want to, you know, if you, they could pay you for your service. Uh, and then also when you have your initial customers, it's a lot easier to get to your next customers because they're also in the community, right? Like you sell to one painter. My guess is there's, they probably have painter friends, you know, that may be interested in your, you know, in your SaaS painting subscription product or whatever. Right. And so um, that's kind of, that's kind of my approach is like, start with creating content, start with contributing uh, to a community, pick several. Um, and, and then over time, like let yourself kind of just, you know, spend time in that environment. And over time, like I sort of just have faith that you will, that these, these other things will, will come easier to you um, if you're willing to wait. Like I have literally like, a business idea a day. Like I'm not running out of business ideas. Why? Because I spend a lot of my time talking to entrepreneurs, talking to founders, talking to creators, talking to people who have problems, uh, you know, and, and, and when people have problems, they generally will pay money for them to get solved. Right. And you just have to find the right set of people with problems that you want to solve for. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because yeah, once you, once you, once you have customers and community and these sorts of things, you, you stop asking like, Hey, like, you know, uh, I, I, I need a business idea. What should I build? Right. It's, it's generally, but it's, it's the people who skip that and they're just like stuck and they're just like, they spend years, like, what should I build? What should I build? What should I build? And I'm always like, stop building, start, you know, contributing. Um, and that, you know, it's kind of like, you can't skip that step. Right. Um, it, it makes it a lot harder for you, um, to, to get started and, and, and maybe even impossible. Like, I don't know if anyone was able to start a business skipping the community step. Right. So it's just highlighting a step that I think everyone does make. Um, even Stripe, I, you know, is, is sort of like the unicorn of unicorns. Uh, guess what? They started with a community, which was Palo Alto startups, Silicon Valley, Y Combinator, Batch, you know, winter 2009 or whatever, right? Like 
and they sold to them first. Uh, and they, you know, they started with community. And so I think it's a step that most businesses take, but I, I think hasn't really been highlighted mm-hmm. in hopefully the way that I, I think it should. So. Okay. Yeah. That sounds, uh, that sounds uh, uh, great. Now, Sometimes, uh, I mean, so there's, a, there's an opinion that maybe you build credibility first, you contribute first, build a, some reputation, and then you launch your product. Or is the, and, and maybe there isn't one, a single answer to this, but I, I'm just interested in how you would approach this, this problem. Like, for example, with Stripe, do they really have credibility before they launch their product? Or are they just launching and building credibility in that process? Yeah, I mean, certainly the the building helps with credibility, right? Because you can actually show people proof of work, proof that you've actually done something, but it doesn't have to be building. And that's why I think contributing is so key and teaching what you've learned is so key is because you can build a track record, a reputation without having to build something necessarily, right? And you should actually do that. Like, for example, with Stripe, it wasn't their first startup. They'd actually had another startup, Optimatic, which is how they met a lot of these people who probably became early investors or customers of Stripe. Right. Um, by the way, including myself. And so I think it's important to, yeah, you want to think about reputation, but again, like the, the nice thing is all you have to do is be helpful to other people, right? Like just who's around you. Can you be helpful to them? As long as you do that, you will build a reputation and you will actually even learn the skills over time to, to be helpful in a scalable way. What is a business? A business is just scaling you, right? So if you can, if you want to build, build a business that helps thousands and thousands of people, like, well, first you have to help a few people yourself, right? And then you could figure out, okay, how do I scale this thing? Right. Now, as you're looking at this community, as at your initial community, is there a risk that the community might be too small? Like, should an entrepreneur think about, well, sizing out the community or is it worth, is it just a good idea to jump in without doing that? Yeah. I mean, I do think it is a helpful exercise, um, you know, to kind of at least consider um, the size of the community and maybe even like the income bracket of the community and other things just to make sure, look, ultimately, if you are trying to build a business, you know, these things, you know, you should keep in mind. But truthfully, a couple of points. One, you don't have to stick with the community for life. Right. So generally, I think starting with the community is really important. But Gumroad is no longer just selling to like the Hacker News startup B-Tech designer community that was my community back in 2011, right? We're kind of, we've grown beyond that. But I think as a, to sort of solve the chicken and egg problem, I think starting with community is really, 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 really important. Um, and then the, the other point is, yeah, it's, it's less about the size, I think. Um, and it's more, yeah, just more about, are you solving a pain point that they really truly have and are going to be willing to pay for, right? Um, there are certain types of folks who would just won't. They're incredibly price sensitive, right? So if you increase the price a little bit, they're no longer going to pay. Generally, if you know if you're you know you're optimizing to, to build a sustainable business, which is still you know you want to do all the other stuff as well, but like you know it's important to highlight like the sort of number one most important part of the minimalist entrepreneur framework is profitability first. If you're not profitable, nothing else matters because you're not going to be able to do anything else because you're dead, right? Or your business is dead. Uh, so that's always kind of key. Um, and so, yeah, you want to make sure that these folks have money. They have a problem that's painful enough that they're going to be willing to spend money to solve it. Um, 
And, and, you know, th- th- those sorts of things are important, but it's one, it's one of those things that very rarely do I think a business died because the community was too small, right? Like it, there are probably other reasons. Um, and I always worry about people doing too much research, not too let, not too little, because I think it's very easy to be like, oh, it's too small or that's not right. Or they have, the, they, there's a solution that already exists. And it's like, yeah, for every business in existence, those things are true, right? Like there are ways to buy books on the internet. Like they're, they're, this stuff has been around, but you can do it better. You can do it faster. You can do it cheaper. You can do it your way. Um, and you can do it for your community, which is, you know, maybe unique enough to you that, you know, it, it's, it's sort of, you know, uniquely interesting and valuable as, as its own business. Mm-hmm. So I, actually, I like that idea of profit, profitability first. And I think uh, it's not all, not emphasized enough. And is there, I mean, so that would suggest that maybe going with this approach of like building followers and just kind of giving out, being helpful without charging anything is, um, is not going to lead to profit in the short term. I mean, maybe in the longer term, you, it would help you discover. So how do you reconcile those two ideas? Like the being profitable first, but then not actually having any reputation at the beginning. Yeah. So how- yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, ultimately, uh, well, you know, one, one, I would say profitability in the beginning is about your personal profitability, right? Like, are you able to contribute to these communities in a sustainable way, right? Bology calls this uh, kind of like your personal burn rate, right? Like making sure that you can sustain your activities, um, whatever they may be. And then the second kind of profitability is your business's profitability, right? Like ultimately the business should be kind of independently profitable of you, right? Um, so, the, I mean, you're right, they're, they're maybe slightly uh, conflicting in, in the sense that you're putting profitability first, but then you're not, you know, 100% focused on, on that immediately. Um, and I would say maybe that the the sort of first is less about pri- like time and more just about priority stack, right? Like ultimately, you should, even if you are building, contributing to community, you know, ultimately you should realize that, you know, your business eventually has to put profits first, Right. So always make sure that you, you know, and, and the, the, the nice thing about profitability is it's, it's binary. You're either profitable or you're not. Right. And, and the goal is to be profitable. It's not to be wildly profitable. It's not to be churning out piles of cash. It's just to get to a place where you're, you're able to continue to do what you're doing. You know, Paul Graham calls this default alive. I call it, you know, basically instead of treading water, you know, building your own boat, uh, but effectively getting to a place where you can continue to do what you want to do. You're in control of your destiny. Uh, Chris Savage from Wistia calls this profitable confidence. You're able to make bets, long-term bets that you believe in because you have the confidence that profitability gives you, right? Because if it doesn't work, it's not like, oh, you're done, right? Uh, so you, it's kind of counterintuitive that I think profitability actually allows you to take more risks, not less, right? I think most people would say bootstrap companies take less risks, but, um, but I think in, in certain ways they can actually take more. So, yeah, there's fewer people they have to convince about an opportunity they could. Yeah, and if, you know, exactly. Like a startup has to be growing at a certain rate, right, to, to appease future investors in the public markets or, or what have you. And so you're, you're you know, if, there, if there's a sort of a 95% chance that we can just do what we're doing and continue to grow, you're not going to take as many risks, right? Um, uh, and you see this with startups. If you kind of analyze their behavior, like they, they often don't, 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 you know, they often struggle actually with risk taking um, beyond their, if you think about Facebook, even like, uh, and a lot of these other sort of larger companies, they basically grow almost entirely by acquisition. You know, their products, WhatsApp, Instagram, et cetera, like they basically have to buy them because they, they it just becomes very difficult um, for the kind of internal work to actually build these new products um, from scratch in a way that like 
fundamentally change the change the business, right? Or Google, right, with YouTube and, and Android and and Chrome and uh, like most 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 of the stuff that they've launched in the last five to ten years, mm-hmm. right? Um, so how do you decide? Like, let's say just because uh, the, it takes. I mean, this this whole thing is an exponential curve, like just building up the reputation and building yeah. customers. How do you decide when to pull the plug, or are you just on the cusp of this exponential takeoff? Yeah, I mean, it always feels like that, um, right? The J curve, or yeah. uh, or the hockey stick, or David right. calls this the beginning of infinity to reference kind of humanity's J curve, which I believe we're still kind of. It feels like we're at the cusp of. Um, I would say looping it back to your PowerPoint, like the other thing, and there's a graph kind of in the in the book that shows, like you know, yeah, there's the sort of profitable, sustainable software business. It's the most scalable, right? It's kind of the up and to the right, super linear curve, but it also takes the longest, right? And it starts at zero, right? And then there's like, uh, you know, kind of freelancing, which is not nearly as scalable as building a sustainable software business, but it doesn't start at zero. You're able to charge 20 bucks an hour, 50 bucks an hour, hundred bucks an hour, right? And then there's a third kind of category, which Gumroad, I don't know if we pioneered it or anything like that, but there's this new kind of creator economy category, which is kind of in the middle, which is you're doing something more scalable than freelance work. Um, it's not as scalable as, you know, running a software business. Um, and it makes sort of more money potentially than freelancing, but it does this in this kind of very spiky way, right? Where you have like a launch every six months or a year or something like that. So you launch um, some kind of ebook or video course or something. Exactly. Like that. Exactly. So all the stuff on Gumroad, or, you know, like that, that fits a lot into that model. And these are three very different business models, right? One is like sort of, there's freelance, digital products, and then, you know, SaaS, let's call it for shorthand. Um, and ultimately, like the way I think about it is you can prioritize, you know, freelance and digital products, like to make a, you know, to be profitable on a personal basis. And then you could use that profit to have time to build the long-term sustainable thing that you eventually want to be able to transition completely to, right? Like Gumroad can now pay all of my bills and all of the team's build, bills, right? But that was not the case for a long time. Right, um, because we we took this kind of very low revenue, low take rate approach. But if we wanted to maybe bootstrap this, like Basecamp, what they did, or Mailchimp, they started as an agency. They actually started exactly in this way, where they wrote, or or sorry, they they did project work. They used that to pay for their kind of product development internally. And they wrote books and things along the way. Like they literally had this approach. Um, and and so that's kind of my my answer to that would be like you don't you know you can join a community and people may say hey I want to I want you to coach me for. 50 bucks an hour or something like that. Right. And so you can, and, and the beauty of it is you can try all the things you need to do to run a business. You can get, if you just freelance, you know, and then all you have to do the transition from freelancing, you've already set up the business and the payments and all, all the you know taxes, blah, 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 like all that crap you've dealt with. So actually building a, a product, uh, a, you know, a software business is literally just building the product. Right. Um, and you can even like transition slowly where you can automate your sort of manual valuable process of freelancing or what have you over time to get more and more automated until, you know, one day it's Basecamp. It's not even, you can't even hire Basecamp anymore, right? You can only use their product management product, right? So, so that's kind of the, the framing that I would kind of use, um, you know, to, mm-hmm. about it. Now, how do you, like, as you're approaching entrepreneurship with a minimalist mindset, how do you prevent the work from just exploding? Because it's, it's always possible to do more. And, I think part of the attraction of minimalism is that somehow you can, that it just makes this possible. Like somehow you can live a normal 24 hour day and still, you know, get your sleep and everything else. And um, 
and then build a business? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, entrepreneurship is working 60 hours a week to, you know, avoid working 40 hours a week, <laughs> like that sort of thing. Like it's a difference, you know, I'd rather work, you know, nine to nine or whatever than, you know, uh, nine to five, you know, like I'd, I'd kind of, I'd rather, you know, and this is personal preference, right? There's certain people who are like, love the nine to f- great. Right. I'm not trying to convince anyone that this is better or anything like that. Right. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think there's a, there's a certain mindset, there's a certain set of values that you want. Um, if you do want to, to save time, uh, and one of them is you have to spend money, right. To save time, you have to spend money. And there are a lot of people who are uncomfortable spending money to save time, right? Including myself, by the way. Like there are plenty of things that I need to get better at that I, I you know, I would love to, I should pay money um, for for that, but I don't. Um, and sometimes that's good, you know. I, but like ultimately, yeah, I think I think a lot of it comes down to delegating, which requires trust, mm. outsourcing, you know, um, which you know it, it just requires, you know, this work has to get done, right? Uh, it just somebody else does it instead of you. Right. And so it's really kind of a simple thing, which is like, you just basically make a list of all the things you do and then you hire people to do those things. So you don't have to do those things anymore. Um, but it's, you know, sort of easier said than done, right. Hiring is maybe the hardest thing about building a business, um, long-term, I think, um, you know, computers are a little easier than humans, um, hmm. generally to, to work with yeah. <laughs> in my view, but, but yeah, I think it's, it's really just, uh, you know, being honest with yourself saying, hey, look, you can get to a point where you're working, let's be reasonable, like eight hours a day on your business, right? Or six hours or four hours, or, or you can get there, but you have to decide that that's important to you. Obviously, you have to stay profitable as you do this, but you should start spending money, hiring people, outsourcing stuff, um, not, per- not perfectly optimizing, you know, trying to make the pot, you know, the highest gross margin ever, you know, that would mean doing everything yourself, right? Um, that's not the goal. The goal is scale eventually, right? The goal is extricating yourself from the business eventually. Um, and the way to do that is to make a list of all the things you feel like you need to do. And then one by one, just cross them out, right? Mm-hmm. Hire someone, pay for a SaaS product to do it instead. Automate this other thing. Get rid of this feature so you don't have to deal with, you know, like think through that sort of minimalistic approach of like, what do you not actually need? Uh, you know, in, in business, it's called a, the null hypothesis or in science, right? Like, people say, do you need this or do you need that? And like, maybe the answer is neither, you know? Hmm. Um, and I learned this with Gumroad, you know, this was like a hard lesson for me to learn. But when we did the layoffs in 2015, we got rid of almost everything in the company and the company still grew. And it was right. like, maybe we don't need all this. And that's important. Like that's kind of, you know, a lot of my worldview was kind of shaped by this experience where hmm. I had this business that was growing and I thought I needed more people to grow it faster. And we failed to raise VC. And then we kind of had to like everybody go and start from scratch. And then the business continued to hum along. And I was like, wait a second, hmm. you know? And look, that's, I'm not making a sort of a value judgment of the work that people did. The company was amazing, like, but it just didn't matter. Right. Hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of it comes down to just being honest, right? Like right. what actually matters to, to what, you know, what, one, what matters. And then two, what matters to that thing, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, profitability matters. Okay. And then what contributes to profitability? Right. Um, and it, it, it either, it, you know, in math, it's either a dependent variable, it does, or it's not, and it's an independent variable. And you just have to know if you change this number in Excel, will this thing change over here? If yes, then it matters. If not, then probably doesn't. Right. Yeah. But yeah. That's kind of how I think about it. even at Gummer today, I would say uh, on a weekly basis, there's roughly two hours of work that I have to do. Like that. If I didn't do Gumroad would eventually break down, something would break. 
Um, you know, it might be, you know, it's, and it's boring stuff, by the way, none of it's interesting, right? It's like moving money from our Wells Fargo account to our PayPal account, like basic yeah. stuff like that. Around two hours a week of work. Um, everything else I do is, is effectively quote unquote optional, right? Or I choose to do it. It's non-essential. Um, it's R&D, it's, you know, brainstorming, it's whatever, you know? Um, and so that's, you know, that's kind of important to me is I have, I literally have a one page Google doc and it lists everything that I do. Um, and my goal is to get it to zero, <laughs> you know, hmm. uh, and you know, we won't get there, uh, anytime soon, I think, but, uh, but you know, there is a way to, for me to get there actually, which is hire a CEO, right? Maybe that's the answer. Delegate everything. Hmm. Um, you know, so, so, so there are ways to do it again. You have to be honest about what you want. And then, you know, there is a path, there is a path to getting that, right? But it's, it's, a, it's trade-offs, right? Everything is trade-offs, right? So. Great. Yeah, that was, uh, thank you, Sal. That was, uh, that was quite a, a good uh, set of insights there. And it was great talking to you. Yeah, thanks so much for, uh, for having me on. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Mighty Creators. If you enjoyed this interview, please subscribe.